What's going on, beautiful people? This is Gail Keys Allen, and it's the Midlife Moneymaker Podcast. Today is day five of our focus on Black women and how they make money. I'm running a series for the next few months, probably, on how women make money. And it's a series of interviews profiling women from different backgrounds, careers, and businesses about how they make money and how the current climate is affecting the way they make money. So today's guest is Brig Johnson. Brig is a life and mindset coach who helps smart black women create a personal revolution and another powerful interview with a powerful woman. Before we get started, I wanted to mention that we had a little problem with the sound towards the middle of the interview, but no worries, just fast forward past it and the sound should improve greatly. Great, thank you so much for being here today. Um, I like to start with something a little off topic. So I want, and since you're a coach, I wanna know what has your go-to feeling been lately? My go-to feeling has been connection. Like that has been like my go-to through, you know, COVID, through the um, everything that's going with the George Floyd thing, like connection. And on what level? Like connection in all aspects of your life? Um, just feeling is like, I just want to feel connected to me. I want to feel okay. connected to the people who are around me, to my job, to whatever, wherever I'm at. Like, I just like, if I'm like at a loss for what I want to feel, it's connection. And usually it's compassion, but I noticed with COVID, I had, to, I changed it from compassion to connection because okay. as an empty nester, like kids were at the house and you know, it's just more people around. And so it's like, how do I want to feel right now? I just want to feel connected to them. Right. It's just a tough okay. time. So connected. And that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So this is all about how women make money, specifically midlife women. But I want to okay. take it, I want to take it back to when you were a little girl and people would ask you, what do you want to do when you grow up? What, what was your go-to answer? What did you want to be when you grow up? Oh, that was so fun. Boy, you took me way back. Um, I'm 55. So that was like way back, way back. (laughs) But um, I either wanted to be an airline stewardess or a nurse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought both of those were cool. Did you, did you know either? Did you, were you familiar with anybody that did one of those jobs? My grandmother was a nurse and um, I flew American Airlines. And probably to this day, I prefer American Airlines because I flew American Airlines then and they gave me my first wings. Remember, they used to give you those wings as kids. Right. And I just want to be American Airlines stewardess. They always treated me so nice. And I just thought that was the coolest job ever. So what (laughs) happened after that? When did you, did you try to do that job or did you change your mind? Did you try to do either one? Um, I became a nurse. Oh, um, so I've been a nurse since I was 18 I oh, went wow. while I was in high school. So yeah. So I picked one. <laughs> That's 
amazing that you've been doing it that long. And how mm -hmm. has, are you still doing nursing? Yes, I am. I do it um, full time and I coach pretty much just about full time too. So, yeah. So, how has the nursing been with, been with the whole COVID 19? The nursing has been, I think nursing is, has, for me, is my constant. Even with COVID, I can work my way around the thoughts. It's like, yeah, like I remember when HIV was a thing and mm -hmm. I remember when hepatitis was a thing. I remember when, um, uh, what was some of the others? Like MRSA was a thing. Mm -hmm. There's always something. And I think I've been through them. So the COVID preliminarily probably had me a little shaken just because of the thoughts of the overload of patient care. Um, but once I worked through that, yeah, just another day at the, at the hospital. So 18 to 55, that's a long span. Did you do anything else in between? I think, I think, I don't know about your listener, listeners, but like entrepreneurs kind of just show up, right? Like that entrepreneurial spirit. Oh, like if you ask any entrepreneur, they had a job as a kid. Right. Like, I don't know what yours was, but mine's was, I didn't know there was a name. It was a girl Friday. I was, I was like the neighbor's girl Friday. Okay. And I would just like 10, I would go over and like, you need me to do anything, Mrs. So-and-so you need me to do like, and odd jobs, go to the store, cut the yard, thin out the flower beds, whatever. Um, and my stepfather at the time was a truck driver and he would always get leftover stuff boxes and he would bring them home. So I would go door to door and sell it. Like he had a whole door of a box full of flashy rhinestone covered dog collars and cat collars. I literally went door to door selling those dog collars and like $7 for this one, $5 for this one. Right. Yeah. Um, I've had my own janitorial service. That's how I got myself through the first part of nursing school. I've done probably every MLM you can think of. Okay. <laughs> I totally get that. Right? Yeah. I have ha bought a franchise and sold a franchise. I um, had over 200 employees. Oh, wow. Now, what kind of franchise was that? Tell us a little bit about that. I had a senior care service where I took care of seniors in their home as opposed to going to a nursing home. Mm -hmm. So it was um, fee for service. So it wasn't, um, long-term care insurance wasn't really big right then as far as one of the things that was funding it. So it was a lot of private pay people, mm -hmm. um, not Medicare, not Medicaid. And um, yeah, I and did that. The franchise model, so. I've had, I've owned a franchise, so I'm going to let you tell me what your least favorite thing about owning a franchise was. The franchise model was, for me, it was perfect because I'm not, I'm the person who was a doer. I'm not the person who wants to sit up and create policies and procedures and this form and that form. So it was, okay. it, it appealed to my strengths. Uh-huh. Um, and like I had another ear or another set of eyeballs on my business. Like you having this problem, like I didn't, but it was one of those that 
I didn't have to necessarily take all of their input, but mm -hmm. like as far as how I ran my back office, I think the negative on the thing was just the franchising fee, but I saw it as, as a, like, right. why wouldn't they? Why? Like they've done all the work right. and they're here for me. I just made them work for it. Like I called them for everything. Like, yeah, can you like put the, like, if you're going to take 7%, then here. Right. <laughs> right. And, so, yeah. That was yeah. my least favorite part of it. That's why I started with that. Because mm -hmm. I found that once I really knew the business and had it going, I didn't want their input as much. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's why I started out with what was the least favorite. Part. Right, right. Yeah. But I yeah. know it's, it's so much easier to step in and follow their policies and procedures and um, there's so many different kind of franchises if people, because a lot of people consider franchises. Right. So how long did you have it? I had the franchise for four years, I believe. Okay. So, um, yeah, for me, the way it started, I'll just give you the background. I went, went to school to do, um, to get an advanced practice degree as a nurse and became an anesthesia provider. So, but I was single. And so my thought was, you know, I'm not going to want to, you know, cause I went to school later in life. I was 38 okay. graduating at dang near 40. And so my thought was, was like, I'm not going to want to work hard for the rest of my life mm -hmm. and I'm single. So I don't have that second income. So what can I do alongside? And so that was my answer. And so as an anesthesia provider, you, you typically get a, at that time, we got a nice sign-on bonus. Mm -hmm. So I was struggling through school, had no money. I hadn't worked in two years. I had three small kids. Oh, wow. And I took that sign-on bonus and bought the franchise. And uh -huh. so that was my invested investment in myself, as opposed to like, let me get this money and do something with it. Like I right. literally took that money and invested in, in ourselves and built both businesses simultaneously, meaning started my anesthesia practice and started my franchise at the same time. Oh, wow. So tell us, how does the anesthesia practice work? Is that you don't work for a specific hospital? Um, anesthesia people can do, they either work for, I mean, there's different paths for that. Mm -hmm. For me personally, right now, I pretty much have done all of it where I've been independent. I've worked for a doctor. I've worked for a hospital. Gotcha. Right now, I work for a large group at one particular hospital. And that works for me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what did, what did you find most challenging about doing both of those? Time as always, time. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, when I wasn't there, finding people who looked after your business like you do and yeah. you just never yeah. do. Right. <laughs> you, you can set up, you can find better suited people, but the thought that you will be able to like take your eyes off of your business. I tell people that part never happens. Like right. if you think that's going to happen, that never happens. Right. So, yeah, so mm -hmm. go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say that was a myth that I had that quickly got dispelled. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, so you've been you've pivoted so much, and I totally get that because I I'm ex the exact same way. Mm -hmm. um, 
What do you think it is about your personality that's allowed you to do that? Because a lot of women I speak to are so afraid to stop, you know, leave a good, a good situation and start over. So what is it that you think it is about you that's allowed you to just keep pivoting? You know, that's such a great question because um, I, I think I have the ability to look future as far as like, I know where I'm at. Like when I was an RN working, working ICU, had the perfect schedule. I only worked three days a week. I worked no weekends. I had kids. And that was a post that, you know, it took like forever to get, like nobody gets that shift. And I was giving that up. Um, but I had the, I had the ability to look 20 years later, like, but am I going to be happy 20 years doing this? Like I have the ability to be able to go, yeah, but 20 years of this, how am I going to feel? Right. And so that, that helps me be able to let go of what's good because I look towards what's greater. Like, but like 20 years from now, what do you want? Yeah. Um, and I have the, also have the ability to bet on me. Like if, if I don't, can't think of any other thought, uh, that thought is like, well, hell, just bet on yourself. Like I have the ability to bet on me. Now, what I'm learning is how to show up for myself all the time so that I can totally trust myself. That's that coaching part right. where I'm learning that. And that is, that's my work and that's getting better and better. And that's what I help my clients do too. But yeah, that betting on you is amazing. Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask you about. So this this more recent pivot is your coaching. How long have you been a coach? I've been a coach since I think it's now two, one and a half years, one and a half years. Okay. So a year of coach training. And so I finished December of 18. So December of 19 was one year. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And do you have a specialty or what do you do in your practice? Um, it's funny. I pivot even with that. And so I originally did weight loss because mm -hmm. I, you know, I successfully took off and maintained 80 pounds. And so that was my original thing. Wow. wow. And I know that. Yes. And that is, and with my advanced nursing and my ability to understand how the body works and hormones, then it went to midlife women Right. getting the weight off at midlife because that's a whole different animal. And then it went to women in their fifties, <laughs> right? Cause that pivot, all the pivots that we make and just noticing all the pivots that I've made. And now it literally is. And I think I found, I know I found my home, which is I help hide. they want to and have the life that they want. Now, can you repeat that? We had a little issue. Okay. I said, oh, is it my computer or yours? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, I said it's, I work with high achieving black women okay. and helping them get out of their way. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's big right there because we can get in our way so many different ways. Yes. Yes. So if, if they're, some common thread you see? Yeah, I, it's, it's, I, 
there's a one thing that um, we have that tendency to do is like get on the approval treadmill. We want everybody's approval foundation or let me do this and let me do this and get the carrots and to get off of the approval treadmill and offer ourselves self-validation. And how do we do that? How do we even know that we're on the approval treadmill? Half of us don't even know we're on it, right? So what would that look like? Tell, tell people what that looks like to you. Like who's, they're looking to get other people's approval all the time? Yeah, other people's approval, other things. Like it's that, it's that thought that happiness is outside of you. So let me just get this. Let me just do this. And I have to get all these approvals to get it. Like I have to behave this way so I can get this. I have to do this so I can get that. And when I get that, what they don't realize is the, what they call the hedonic treadmill. It just continues. But especially as black women, it's like, we love hard and we love like, you, you say this, okay, I'm gonna do it. It's hard. It's like, the harder it is, the more we're like, yeah, I did it. I got my PhD with no kids and I lived out of my car all at one time. Right. Like, right. So just like that. Proud of it. Yes. And it's like taking those away and figuring out how to give ourselves our own. And then we get to be okay where we are and get on a treadmill when we want to, to get things that we want. But it's not even a treadmill because it actually goes somewhere. It's, it's, it's more of those, what are those, um, air, their airport things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's similar to a conveyor belt kind right, of Right, the conveyor yeah. belt. Yeah, it yeah. takes you from one point to another as opposed to the treadmill. It's like we actually never really get anywhere with our happiness. We think it's the husband. We think it's the house. We think oh, it's the girl. career. We oh, think yeah. it's the size. We think it's getting rid of the cellulite. We think it's <laughs> being able to see without glasses. We think it's getting rid of the gray hair. I mean, all of it. Yes. All of it. We think it's get the kids out the house. We think it's when the kids have grandkids. We think it's when I have a convertible. It's all of it. Yes. I, and, I can so relate to that. And I've, I've, ta I've posted a lot about that and talked to people a lot about that because I'm divorced and mm -hmm. I wanted the American dream. I thought, oh, if I, this guy got a good job and he owns real estate and then we buy a big house and then we have a Jag and we have a Lexus and we go on vacations. And, you know, I was just talking about that the other day and I'm like, it excited me in the moment, but it didn't make me happy. Right. And I kept thinking that all of the, I used to work out like crazy. And I thought, you know, once my body was banging or I weighed a certain, same exact thing you're saying. I thought all of those things would make me happy. And mm -hmm. I have been the happiest, divorced, a smaller house, a less expensive car. I haven't been on vacation in a while. In fact, my, my vacation got canceled because of COVID. Mm -hmm. I was planning on that. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how what we think and what we tell ourselves and the, and the lies we buy into right. um, by society, how it really can mess you up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's that thing of there's always a there and happiness is outside of us and it's there. And society wants us to like, here's the easy button to do it, get the husband. Here's the easy button to it, get 
you know, lose the weight. Here's a pill to lose the weight. Here's an easy button to it. How are, like, it's always outside of us. And it's just the, the ability to manage our mind. That way we're going for what we want, but we know that it really isn't going to provide happiness. That's always our job. It's mm-hmm. never outside of us. Right. And, right? And, and we can choose to be happy at any time. Anytime. No matter what's going on. It's a right. choice. Right. And, and it's beautiful. It's like being freed. You know, knowing that you're not, I've, like I've heard people say, oh, well, he doesn't make me happy or he didn't do this, so I'm not happy. And I reminded a woman one day, I, I said, you chose him. Mm-hmm. And she, her eyes got all big and she was like, no, I didn't. He started talking to me first and he asked me out and I'm like, but you could have said no. You yeah. said no. So own, own the decision and then choose how you want to feel. Mm-hmm. You can let it go at any time, but people get so caught up holding on to all those things because what are other people going to think? And I can't be happy. I've heard people say this too. I can't be happy without my house or I can't be happy without that car. And it's like, you got it twisted. Yeah. And I think for your readers and your listeners, like if we're talking about creating money in midlife, that's really when that, when that, I call it failure intolerance really sets in. Mm. Like we just don't want to fail because we finally have that status of some sort. And we don't want to lose something that we think we've worked so hard for. And so we, we, it's, it's so funny that we say it in little little small things that we say like you should know better by now she too old to be going through that all of those things like yeah if I was younger I could we kind of stop ourselves because here's the deal like without failure there is no growth so if you're unwilling to fail then you're unwilling to grow the thing is is like at 55, I think about that and I literally go, okay, so you want to live the same life on Groundhog from oh. now until 75, because that's what happens when I am unwilling to fail and experience the emotions of failing. Yes. And I'm unwilling to be judged by my friends and like, whatever. And I know she didn't, I can't believe she like, how's she going to be a life coach? And like, she did right. like all of that. Yes. Like all of the thoughts that we have that our brain, it really like at 50, it's just, it's like a slow study. And then at 50, it's like, okay, you're too old for that. Like, no, there's that, there's that failure intolerance. And I think at 50, instead of being intolerant, that's the time for our ass to really put our foot on the gas. Like our kids are grown. We don't need the big house. We can be in, I can be in a one bedroom apartment and be happy as I don't know what. So like you can sell the big house, all of it. That's our time to really jump out the plane. We have a parachute. That's us. Right. But I find that so many people, they, they don't even realize that those aren't necessarily their beliefs. They just have gotten them from society and taken them on as their own and then they don't even realize there's another way. Until, right. You know, until someone points it out or they see someone else doing it and then they're like, oh, 
I, I didn't even realize I, I could do that. Right. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting my life coach certification from the same school you went to, the life coach school. And I have told people for years that I'm never retiring. And they look at me like I'm crazy. I was freed when Brooke Castillo, I heard her say she will never retire. Until that, I never heard anybody say that. I used to joke and say, y'all going to find me dead at my desk because I'm just going to wear out. Mm -hmm. And that's not a negative thing. It's like I want my mind to keep using my mind and be relevant mm -hmm. and involved. And a lot of women don't even realize they have that option. Yeah. Well, this, first of all, you do love work that you love. And if you don't, then you create thoughts that do. Yes. Right. And if, if even if it's, I just do this, then you just think of your, your, I think sometimes of your full-time um, employer as your biggest investor. Like it's just my biggest investor into my fund then. Yeah, like definitely. that's how you create thoughts. But I think for the people who don't even understand that or don't even know that they're creating those thoughts, that's where coaching comes in and that's where they reach out to you and I tell people all the time, it's like, it's what coaching does is I had, to, I had a, one of my favorite first coaches told me this, and I love this analogy. Mm -hmm. He said, it's like, how do you run through a mind minefield? He said, you follow someone who's been through it before. Like they know where the minds are. Like right. that's the safest way to go through a minefield. Like I'm telling you, like, nope, don't step there. There's that's gonna explode. No, don't step there. That's gonna like how do you do that? It's like if you dealt with all the thoughts before, if you've unpacked it, you can easily see it in someone else. And all coaching does is is a literally a way for you to learn yourself. It's like the only thing a coach is gonna do is show you what you're doing. Like, look, this is right. what you're doing. You're like, oh, am I really doing that? It's like an opportunity to really get to know yourself on such a more deep level. And it's so beautiful. It's a beautiful time to do it in midlife because it is a time to like be able to shed the old and to go on. And I really believe mindset is the thing that when we've worked on the actions and we've done all the things, to get to the next level, that extra 20% or 40% or 50% that mindset will give you, it will mm -hmm. catapult you to the next level. So let's talk about your mindset around money. Like what, oh, are, yes. what, are, your, what, are, what are your money thoughts? Right now, my money thoughts. Um, I like to think in abundance as far as money. Um, one of my biggest, I can tell you one of my biggest transformations okay. was thinking that money gave me security. Mm -hmm. For the longest, I would think the amount of money gave me security. And I would have not only my, that month's living expenses in my checking account at all times, but in my checking account, not in another account somewhere, but in my checking account, I would have the other months in my checking account at all time too. Cause you know, for me, I went from, remember I told you my story is didn't work for three, for three years, right. three small kids. Right. I went from like, I don't have, I don't have nothing. So 
I thought the amount of money was the thing that gave me my security. And then when I wanted to go back to life coach school and then had to finance that and do some different things and then get my own coaching is when I realized, and then that money started like going down. Right. And I was, and I noticed I was even happier. I was like, Oh, and I even felt even more secure Mm -hmm. when I realized, Oh, it never was the amount of money in my account. I always thought it was the amount of money in my account that gave me my security. Mm-hmm. And it showed up in different ways. It showed up in being willing to take money out of my IRA to pay for coaching, mm-hmm. which everybody tells you, like, you mm-hmm. never do. Like, don't do that. And all the Dave Ramsey stuff and all of that other stuff. Like, you don't do that. I was like, but I'm, again, remember, my thought is I bet on me. Yes. Right? It showed up in things like, decreasing some of the insurance that I had because I was overly insured, like way overly insured. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to give it up, even though I knew I was overly insured because I knew at my age, if I got it back, I would pay a, at a higher premium. Yeah. yeah. Right. And being willing to go, no, I have my own back. Getting rid of that. Like, and then just it just, it's just started showing up in small little things as far as like, I know money, the amount of money that I have, it, it showed up in me ch- taking a job that I have, which was actually like $30,000 less than what I was making before, mm-hmm. but it provided me and afforded me a lifestyle that I wanted so that I could coach more on a full-time level. It's like, I took jobs that I made less money in. I, took money out of it's all of the things that I thought money meant right and it really didn't mean that right I'm smiling because so many things you're saying I can so relate to you know it's like that whole money I study money well I'm an accountant full-time so that's been my career for a long time and I joke and say I count rich people's money and then mm-hmm. one one day I'm like, I'm counting all their money. I need to be counting my money and right. making more like they're making more. And we, yes. we can decide <laughs> at any time how much we want to make and then go for it. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, oh, this job only pays this amount of money. That's all I can make. And like you, I've taken a job. It was interesting. I took a, a $10,000 pay cut at one time. And went to a different job, you know, took the pay cut. I was there three months and the woman that hired me left and I got a new manager. He promoted me and gave me an $8,000 pay increase. Yeah. That's how it works. You have to trust and believe. Um, And so many people are just on the edge, but just afraid, so afraid. Um, Yeah. And and it keeps them, you know, they'll say to me, I am so stuck. You know, and it's like, well, you're only stuck because you think you're stuck. All right. you got to do is move. It's it's really a story you're telling yourself. Right. I think, I think one of the things is, especially when people are stuck, is it's always a mindset issue. Right. And that's the perfect time to hire a coach. But I see so many people reluctant to hire a coach. And 
It's like, I can do that on my own or I can read a book. There's a difference between reading a book and then having the author go through and go, now, this is what I really mean in your personal situation. Like, this is how I would apply that principle to where you are right now. And you do that on a weekly basis. And not only that, but like, it's not, you just read that principle one time and like, you've heard it and like, everything's fine. It's like, thought work is literally taking a ball, a big ball of yarn and untangling it little by little. And each week, like I literally untangle those thoughts with my clients week by week like this. And the brain is so funny because the brain will show it up and like it used to come up as that thought, but it will disguise itself. It'll be the same premise, but it'll come up as a different thought. And you think, and you're believing it. So you're repeating it. And it takes someone else to go, you notice the same thought, just disguised in a different way. I mean, like, I'm doing it again? Like, yeah, you are. Yeah. Right? It definitely is always helpful to have somebody, someone guide you along the way. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had multiple coaches and, mm-hmm. and, and we all grow on different levels. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, say 50 to 55, you might get to a certain point and you're feeling good, but then something else rises and then it almost sometimes feel like you're starting over again, but you really aren't because you're in a whole different place, but we're never complete. Right. You know, it's, it's very, it's always ongoing managing your mind. Right. And I think for your, for your listeners, especially like, I think when you told me you were going to do midlife money, I just thought, and I remember messaging you and telling you that is so needed because there's all this fear that we have around money and it comes to a head at 50. Like it literally comes to a head at 50 because all of a sudden it's like, I'm thinking about retirement and I have to be safe and like, I can't, I can't be foolish anymore. And then all you do is beat yourself up and shame yourself for how you've treated your money. And that never creates more money, even if that's your goal. Right. Or does it create a life that you are able to spend your money and enjoy it if that's your goal? Like, so right. I'm like, so glad that you, that your people have you as a resource, because I can't think of a better way to like, to invest as far as like money mindset for the midlife woman. Like it is a tool. And if we don't know how to use that tool properly, especially now when everything else is telling us to do it this way, like I show up to my financial meeting. I have one with him this week. I meet with him once a, once a year or twice a year. I set it and I forget it. Mm -hmm. That's my money mindset. Like I hire somebody, get his advice. I set it and then I forget it. And then we come back, but I come back empowered like, I'm not like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm empowered and I'm involved in the whole process. And I feel empowered when I do it. Right. And a, a big part of what I do is show people that they're worthy of a better life, making more money, deciding to pivot, not thinking that they have to stay. Like I, I heard this woman... Uh, I used to ride a commuter bus and this woman was talking to another one and she goes, how many more years you got till retirement? And I'm like listening and she goes, oh, I got five more years. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And it is so disempowering 
to sit somewhere for five years and be miserable or yeah. some people 20 years yes. and you're miserable. So mm -hmm. it's like, learn to love it, leave it, do something else. But why spend all of that time waiting till you turn 67 or 65 or whatever the year is you decide to retire and then what sit around and do what you know so i i talk to women a lot about raising the money ceiling because yes. so many people say to me oh well i'm a teacher and i can only make this amount well if that's what you think that's right. what you're gonna make right so can you talk a little bit about that and see sure and how, like, how did you expand your money mindset and what allowed you to give yourself permission to, I assume, expand it pretty largely? I don't know what your goals are, but I, I know you think big. Right. I think, I think even before you think big, sometimes it's just taking the next step. Like, you don't even need to know, like, the how or how much or whatever. It's just the next step. For me, life coaching be was just like this this was my mission this is what i like i love it so it was more this is just going to be how i make money on a side because you know we all like ours i love my side hustles right. and then it got to be like wait a minute once i took that step because if you if i had a if i had a started out saying i'm going to replace my field my, my full-time income as an anesthesiologist nurse anesthesiologist as a life coach i would have never taken that step Mm -hmm. Right. But if I took the step, it's like, this is something I want to do. I think it's going to be fun. And yeah, I can make, make some money with it and it'll be my travel money. That's how I took the first step. Gotcha. And then when I took the next step, it was like, wait a minute, if I invest in this and really learn how to do this, maybe it can be even more. And maybe I can cut back to part-time as an anesthesia and do this part-time and travel more. And then the next step was, wait a minute. I could probably like not only just replace what if I then you just start asking powerful questions what if I actually made more money than where I am right so it's a progression some people can go straight to the end some people need to make those last Or are you still there? Oh, you're we're, still I'm, there? Yeah. You're back. Okay. okay. So that some people can go to the end and some people, what? Uh, some people need to like take various steps, like ladder steps to it, or like, I just know my next step. And that's all you need to know. Right. Like, and to give up that concept of wasted time. Oh my God. I, you know, like, I don't want to do it if it's not going to pan out. Cause then I'll waste my time. Like if you enjoy the process, it's not a waste of time. I totally agree. Right? And we don't have to know all of it. We just need to know the next step. And even if you do it and you don't like it, it wasn't a waste of time. Now you know definitely what you don't want to do. And I promise you there were some lessons in there that you can learn and pivot somewhere else with it. It's not a waste. So stop looking at money as a waste too. Right. And then... You're yeah. just never too old either. Like, well, I'm too old to be learning something else. Like, no, <laughs> like, this is the time to take all of that off. Like, this is the time that we get to do 
some of the craziest stuff because we have less responsibilities. Right. Like we don't have the kids. And if we do have the kids, then that's another, like that's where they come coach with you is like, why do you have a 30 year old kid that's still depending on you? Right. right? That's coaching that you would give them too. Right. That's true. That's yeah. True. I get so excited when I hear about like an 80 year old woman, you know, graduating from college and still, you know, in the classroom learning or still doing, there's a lady that um, worked in the national park service. I forgot her name. I hope I'm not losing it. Um, um, she worked in the national park service and I think she's like in her seventies or 80 still out there every day in the park. Um, I think it's amazing when people keep working and keep, it keeps you alive. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I love like, I think that like the best is yet to come. Um, it, it I know we're, we're having, we're having some technical issues. Um, so. Right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and connect and see if that. That will work. Okay. There we go. Okay. Should be. Is that better? Uh, yeah, it is. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, I was saying that um, there's a lady that works in the national park. I don't remember her name, but she's around eighty and still has her uniform on and her hat, and she's standing up straight and she's moving and meeting people and. To me, that's way more exciting than sitting at home waiting to die. What do you wait? I don't know what people, I mean, some people have, some people travel. I mean, now with what's going on with the whole COVID-19, who knows when we'll be able to get back to travel. And I like the flex, to have the flexibility to work, to travel, to do it all. Right. Not, right. You know, not just one thing. So um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, after all this that you've done, what do you think has been the most meaningful part of your journey? I think the most mean, meaningful part of my journey is always my motherhood. Like to be able to watch my kids do some of the stuff that I do and show up in a way. And you kind of like at midlife, you kind of go, oh, they were paying attention. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And I think the beauty of knowing that I had all kind of twists and turns and I turned out okay and allowing my kids to do the same, mm -hmm. especially at midlife is like, I think that's probably for me, one of the most rewarding is like, just to know, like, it may not even look like they think it should look, but right. I know it's going to be okay, honey. Yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. I literally know it's going to be okay. That's because you had the benefit of having the experience and, and, you know, turned, no matter what went wrong, you turned it around and kept it moving. 
Right. Exactly. I tell people, no matter what it looks like today, you don't know what's going on in the background, like what the universe will, like there's energy constantly moving. And so it's like planting a seed and it's underground and you, you can't see it growing. And then all of a sudden it pops through the dirt. That's how life is. You know, it's like you could be working, working, working on this business. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this client comes from here and that client comes from there. And somebody told that one about you. Um, but it, the, the biggest piece is to not get discouraged. Just enjoy the process and keep moving forward and not give up. So what, what if, before we go, what advice would you like to give the midlife women that are listening to this? I would like to say, like, when we really understand that our thoughts create our feelings and how we feel influences how we show up always. Like, the reason why we do or don't do something is because of how we feel we can own that how we feel by choosing the thoughts that we choose because all our thoughts are optional even though we think they're not they're optional and that creates our results when you totally realize that our thoughts create our results and if you're a scriptural person then you understand that the bible says as a man thinketh so is he he also says like be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind which is your thinking. And literally to repent means to think differently about it. Like not stop doing it. We think it's the action, right? It's not stop doing it or don't do this or I'm not going, but to literally think differently about it. Like you don't even want to do it because your thoughts are differently about it. So with all of that, like when we realize that our thoughts create our reality, then we are where we are because of our past thoughts. That's it. And when we own that, then we know our past doesn't dictate our future because our future is because of our current thoughts. So all we got to do, if we want to change how our future is, is to think differently now which will create different future. But when we, as women, especially black women, look to our ability to produce more money based on our past, we're doing ourselves such a disservice. Yeah. Because our past only dictates where we are right now because that's what we created. Yes. But all we got to do is literally change our thoughts at this moment and create a different future because our future will be dedicated, will be predicated on our thoughts now. Like we're creating our future now by our thoughts now. Your past has nothing to do with your ability to create money, to create wealth, to pivot. I don't care how many times you failed. I don't care how many times you tried. I don't care how many uh-ohs or, or F-ups you've had. None of that matters. Today, you can start anew. I love that. And that's a fabulous way to close out. So can you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? Yes, I am Brig, B-R-I-G, Johnson. And they can. I have a fan page, Brig Johnson Coaching. That's the best way. That's where I live. That's my, that's my hub. 
Um, I also have a Facebook group called The Queen Shift, which is soon to be renamed, but right now it's The Queen Shift. Um, and if they want, they can, you know, join that Facebook group. I give, I come in and out of there to get, I get a little bit more, more coaching and lives in there. But the best way is Brick Johnson coaching fan page. That's it. Well, thank you so much, Brig. I really enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure all the listeners will too. Thank you. I surely appreciate it. And I just love that your people have this. I think what you're given is just totally invaluable. I really do. I think when women own money, especially mature women, when we own money, I just think of all the causes with everything that's going on right now, all the causes we can give money to, all the people we can hire, and just the amount of influence and power. So I think what you do is just so invaluable. Well, thank thank you, you for what you're doing, Gail. You're welcome. Thank you, Bree. Now, isn't Brig badass? Don't you just love her? She gave us so much great information to change our money mindset and to also look at how we can pivot and come out on top. Now, if you love what you heard today, this week, make sure you subscribe. We also have a fan page for the podcast. It's called the Midlife Moneymaker Society. It's on Facebook. Make sure you join us. And we'll be back next week with another amazing interview.